0: Come join us, Lisa. It's so cool. You get to stay up all night drinking blood. And if you say you're a vampire, you get a free small soda at the movies. No! No! Lisa, it's not like you have a choice here.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back once again to Simpsons is greater than I'm back with another episode from the vault another Halloween special from the vault courtesy of the straight chilling podcast last week you heard treehouse one through four this week you're gonna hear treehouse five through seven and I trust now I'm trusting you all Be honest with me. Don't lie to me. I know it's Halloween. I know we're all out here pulling tricks, but be honest with me. Did you go listen to 8, 9, and 10 yet on the straight chilling feed? Did you? Well, if not, make that your number one priority the moment you are done with this episode because we rank the top 10 treehouses from worst to best, and you got to close out the trifecta. You got to hear the third episode. You got to know how we rank these things. But once again, it's the Halloween season. I know we all got stuff to do, so big shout out to the Straight Chilling crew for letting me steal these episodes, and this one is from 2021, enjoy, let's go.
0: All right, let's get into the main event, we're talking about Simpsons Triasa of Horrors 1, or not 1, 5 through 7, oh, we already did 1 through 4, <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, let's kick it off with the back of the box.
2: What? What's on the back of the box? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Everybody gang up on Randy, because he's not here tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, uh, I do have this on the DVD, so I can
2: read from the Whoa, back. The- Whoa, DVD, oh, yeah. you barbarian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How retro. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Treehouse of Horror, ep- uh, number five. Uh, in this annual trilogy of terror, Homer attempts to kill his family in The Shinning, Homer tries to fix a toaster and winds up altering the fabric of time itself and time and punishment. And Principal Skinner. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) That is you. You're living that. And uh, (laughs) Principal Skinner serves students for lunch in Nightmare Cafeteria. All right. Um... I think we mentioned this last time. Uh, there's not a whole lot to like really spoil because these are like very short comedic segments, so there's not like a big twist at the end, and you're gonna be like, "Oh man, I can't believe that they spoiled it for me." Uh, and, so, and they're
1: usually based on stuff. So I mean, how true. you know if how can you have something spoiled for you that you probably at least heard of the source material? Mm. Uh, and on some of these, if you haven't, uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I couldn't have put it any better myself. Um, so, yeah, just consider yourself warned. We're, we're, uh, we're talking about these episodes through and through. If for some reason you don't want them spoiled, make sure you slam your eyeballs into them before listening to the rest of the show. Um, so let's get into episode number five. Let's just do it. Wait,
2: should I just do a blanket spoiler warning?
0: Yeah, go for it. Let it rip.
1: Spoiler warning.
2: All right. There we go. Just right. uh, obligated since I'm official. running the bumps this week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You might as well. You know, let me yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, n- number five, numero five. this aired October 30th, 1994. Damn. That is a long motherfucking time ago. <laughs> Uh, and I shinning. love, I
1: love that it came out the air, the sh- the air, the night before Halloween. I think that's really cool because that doesn't happen a lot.
0: Yeah, uh, mm. but this one
1: landed right before Halloween. That's that's really good timing. Hell yeah, that's nice. Uh,
0: the Shinning. Do you guys have anything you want to mention right off the bat regarding the Shinning?
1: Oh, well, I, I I do oh, want to say, like, before we even before we even talk about just the segments, uh, one thing that I think is cool about this one is this is one of the David Merkin seasons, hmm. and he deliberately placed more graphic violence in this one uh, due to complaints about it. So <laughs> he like, you know, they were trying to. They were telling him that they were putting too much in these Halloween episodes. And so he really just kicked it up to be an asshole, which is a very (laughs) David Merkin thing to do. And I think if you go into it knowing that this one is pretty, I mean, there's a lot of blood and a lot of, you know, violence and gore for a cartoon, especially in 94 in this episode, he said he wanted more blood and guts than usual. Uh, and it's also the first or the last, I should say, the last one to feature the funny tombstones. You know, last time we mm. talked a lot about the funny tombstones. Right. And uh, uh, and so I, I think there's a lot, you know, this is sort of a new era for the show moving forward in, in this one. And I think this episode is a great, uh, it's a great indicator of that, especially that, that sort of David Merkin flavor. I like to always bring that up.
2: That's a great thing for you to bring up because one thing that we talked about last year, um, and I'm going to reference the ones we talked about last year because I think they're really relevant, especially kind of, as you said, it, it does feel like kind of a new air going into these ones, but they give us a little bit of like an intro one more time kind of march comes out and does like a warning and then it cuts out and does this um you know like Barton and homer over a like a, a wave of audio or whatever but last year we got like full wraparounds like anthology pieces that were separate from the three that we got and this one right. kind of kicked off and i was like oh we don't have that i mean you know march came out she comes out and does the warning stuff, but then it never cuts back to that. Really? Um, there's something at the end, but I was, I was kind of disappointed by that. Um, and, and something we're going to talk about too in the, next to six and seven as well is they don't include those and that was kind of a bummer for me this year um and not something i i realized you know these are kind of exist as pieces in my memories um but watching them kind of chronologically i'm like oh shit you know where are those things that i love so much those i love you know previously we talked about them like being with the family on Halloween, you know, like trick or treating right. or going through their candy and stuff like that. And that just um, along with the tombstones kind of missing from the next two episodes, it um, it kind of kicked it down a notch. And I was kind of bummed by that.
1: Interesting. I mean, you know, I, I think they started realizing and, and we'll sort of get into this when we get to one of the other ones. But they sort of started realizing like, hey, we can we can have more time. For these stories, more time for these segments, if we cut out, you know, these little extra pieces and I'm sure Uh for the team too, it's probably something else that they didn't have to worry about. They could really focus on the segments, but I agree with you. There is a lot of charm uh, in those, but I also last year gave a bit of a spoiler and said that my favorite would be in the next batch (laughs) we talk about. So we'll we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We should probably talk Uh about the shinning. Yeah, so, let's talk sh- about the
2: shinning.
0: The shinning, yeah. So they, I guess they do need a little extra time. But these stories that they're telling are are a little beefy, especially like spoofing the Shining, which is a long ass book and a long ass movie. Yeah, and they cram right. a shocking amount of plot into this like ten minute segment. If if that, it's probably shorter than that. It's segment. not
2: ten minutes. It's eight, seven, seven to eight. eight. Yeah, yeah,
0: but they, they they get a lot of mileage out of this little short. Um, it's I love the jokes are so rapid fire in this. This is probably one of my favorite segments of any of the uh, Triasa horrors that I've seen. I love The Shining. Uh, I love the jokes that they cram in here. They like <laughs> they have to keep turning back around to go to the house and make sure the door's locked or whatever. <laughs> they leave Grandpa at the gas <laughs> station and like Homer just does not flinch whatsoever. <laughs> he does not want to go get him. What?
2: What about grandpa? <laughs> Just please. please nobody else gives a shit.
1: <laughs> well, and, and also, you know, we talk about David Merkin, it's worth mentioning that he really wanted to do this one because he said uh, that Stanley Kubrick had been a big influence on him in general. Like, it made him want to direct. It made him want to get into making things. Uh, so being able to do something like The Shining for The Simpsons, uh, was like a big thing for David Merkin. So, just another feather in his cap, another reason David Merkin is really cool. So, uh, I yeah. like I like to point that out.
0: Nice. Hell yeah. Uh groundskeeper Willie's character, uh where he, he's a Scatman Crothers basically from the movie yeah. and he's got the Scottish ladies like painted uh, up yeah. above his bed and shit.
2: Classic. <laughs> Fucking That chin of yours. Mhm. So good. I yeah. love how they even acknowledge that. Oh, you mean the shiny?
0: <laughs> you get shit sued? kills me.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: the uh the feeling fine on the the typewriter. <laughs> fucking classic.
2: Yeah, I mean, they like, a fucking Mo as of course the bartender is yeah. great. And then even, even the whole like situation when they're like, you know, kill your family, I'll give you a beer. And then later, you know, he's just munching, um, you know, he gets knocked out on the stairs and she drags his ass to the freezer and he's just munching all the <laughs> ghouls come in. It's like fucking Frankenstein, the wolf, man. I mean, That's
1: all classic. of that is a testament to, you were talking about how much is crammed into this segment. I mean, every shot is crazy. I mean, the blood, uh, Marge saying, Oh, maybe what he's typed to be a window into his madness. And then you see this <laughs> wild, just like pan around her, the walls, the <laughs> lightning. It is a, it is a very impressive yeah. looking segment, uh, especially yeah. for this time, which I would argue all of these are, uh, this is when we really start getting into some really prime looking animation for the show is, is, I mean, especially with this one. Uh, but there is so much in all of these, but this first segment I mean they basically spoofed the whole movie and like we said, seven minutes. Like yeah. it gets all the keynotes of the main story uh, from the book and from the movie. So it's it's yeah. really cool. It's really, it really does. Really
2: yeah. And even just his the his little spoof of like, Here's Johnny or whatever and <laughs> Dude, the grandpa one kills me every
0: time. (laughs) I think my my favorite joke of this whole segment is when uh, Marge calls Chief Wiggum over the radio and she's like, help, my husband's on a murderous rampage, over. And he goes, oh, thank God, it's over. I was worried for a second. and just turns the radio off. (laughs) Yeah, I was getting worried
1: for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking idiot. (laughs) I I mean, the thing I write down uh, every time I talk about this episode, it's it's one of my favorite jokes. It's just Homer being like, you know, he realizes he can't watch TV. Oh, cable's out. Oh, not a drop in the house. I think I'll go check out that axe collection. <laughs> like, what an incredible, you know, at Lisa looks at Marge. Oh, is dad going to go crazy and kill us? We'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have you to know, it's just the, who can read this episode? Incredible. Yeah, just so good.
2: Yeah, it's a great one. Also, Bart cutting his way through the hedge maze. I love that shit yeah. too.
1: Kind <laughs> of shortcut through your hedge maze.
2: Yeah, and then Willie's just like, ah, don't worry about it. His dad's going to murder him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and chop him, turn him into haggis. He's like, what's haggis?
1: <laughs> well, it, it's oh, also, man. I will say too, it, it's brave to even make this though because obviously at the, at that point in time most people had seen The Shining I, I would assume. But mm-hmm. like To make something like that, assuming a child would get it without asking their parents is pretty risky. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that's more of that, you know, David Merkin uh, type shit that I'm talking about. Like he would be the one to do that. Uh, It it relies on you understanding something very, I wouldn't say obscure. But if I, you know, at that age, if I put that on, I'm going to be like, I don't get this, but I guess it's still funny. And I think it's important to note that it is still so goddamn funny, which is why even if you didn't get it, you wouldn't really care. I so actually, yeah. I, don't I know.
0: saw this cartoon before I saw The Shining for sure. I was gonna
2: say the same thing. That's I sure said I it many too. times last year. Is like a, this introduced a lot of us into horror. Like yeah. I didn't know what the Shining was when I was you know, six years old. And you're, yeah, I saw I saw this too. And then when I finally did see The Shining, it kind of like put some stuff into context. Probably honestly, yeah. I feel like I was probably more prepared to see it. Yeah, that's a, that's a um, great
0: point. Yeah yeah it, it sort of exists in like the cultural zeitgeist and like these themes are like already bouncing around in the back of your head and like you, you're you more familiar with The Shining than you ever really knew when you watch The Shining you're like I, I know all of this somehow thank <laughs> yeah you, thank exactly. you Simpsons you know
1: even, After seven even
2: minutes of the Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Even Mo, even Mo just putting it in such, you know, plain terms, like, look, I'll give you a beer. If you just waste your family, just kill yeah. your family. I'll give <laughs> yeah. you a beer. Like, so if you, if you see that and then go watch the shining, you, you don't have to read between the lines. You're like, Oh, he's saying, you know, kill your family. Uh, yeah. It's just, it really does just, it's like a, it's a it's a cheat sheet to The Shining yeah. with a lot of really great jokes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a great way to start this episode off. It's, the Shining is like fucking classic to me.
2: Um, and you yeah. get that violence you're talking about where old Willie, which is where it's going to come up again, gets the old axe at the back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, There's also... So, you know, when they're in the snow and he finds the television and he says, <laughs> teacher, mother, secret lover. So, it's interesting to know as like a Simpsons collector that that is a line that they've actually used on a lot of merchandise that has nothing to do with this segment or Halloween. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, there's a lot of t-shirts and like greeting cards and and different stuff that they would have like Homer either laying on a television or sitting, you know, watching a television and it would say, you know, teacher, mother, secret lover. So that line really outgrew this segment to a point that, it it had nothing to do with it anymore which is like sort of weird every time i see it on something i'm like man that is such a strange thing but i guess it also is is funny and it doesn't really it doesn't really inherently have anything to do with halloween so who cares but it is it is strange that they plucked that out and uh used <laughs> it for so much stuff
2: yeah that's interesting
0: it's a random line yeah weird uh,
1: uh yeah. anything yeah, it, very weird
0: anything else you guys want to touch on the shitting before we move on
2: no i'm good
1: yeah yeah, this one's so cut and dry, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's so, so goddamn funny. Uh, but not nothing, nothing too crazy behind the scenes on that one.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's let's carry on. The second segment of uh, episode five is "Time and Punishment." Uh, oh
1: boy! Yeah, I love this one, guys. <laughs> yeah, I love this one. Get into it. Why do you love it? Um. So well, th- first of all, and this is something that I've never read, but I I, I wanted to look up. You know what? Some of these were parodies of if it was something that I, that I didn't actually know, and this is one I didn't know till I looked it up. It's a it's a parody of a short story by Ray Bradbury called "A Sound of Thunder." Uh, I don't know if either one of you have ever read that. It seems yeah. like a pretty obscure thing to wow. make a segment out of. I know this was an idea that Matt Groening himself pitched, not maybe not the parody, but the idea of Homer time traveling with a toaster was something that he pitched. But I, I just think that this one is like. It's such a bizarre premise. It gives you a lot of interesting character models. You see a lot of weird stuff. You get a lot of alternate reality views to the Simpsons, which is something throughout the entire run. I always love seeing future episodes, weird Halloween spins where they have, you know, they look different. So it, it just sort of starts a trend that I would argue in some form is sort of a part of the show moving forward. Just this very strange alternate universe sort of feeling uh, in some of these Halloween episodes And I mean, you know, even the way it starts off, Homer getting his hand stuck in the toaster is fucking incredible that those screams from Dan Castellaneta are just I mean, you can hear, you know, I say this a lot about him, but you can like hear the room. You can like hear the mic. You can hear the air in the room while he's yelling because he's just giving it. No one is giving it like Dan. Um, (laughs) It's just a perfect segment. Also just full of jokes.
2: Yeah, that I mean, just starting off is even the, with the toaster and then she's he's it's still stuck in there. And Lisa has to like point it out. It's, it's, it's stuck in there again. <laughs> I love that, that shit kills me.
0: Grant grandpa's like little bit of advice that he gave to Homer on his wedding night was to not step on anything. If he ever goes back in time,
1: like, what? <laughs> <laughs> random thing to say. <laughs> this has to be, I'm telling you It has to be one of the funniest segments of any trial. And, and that joke is one that I, that I wrote down Just the, the line about Dinosaurs in zoos Followed <laughs> yeah. immediately Followed well, immediately by advice on your wedding night that it somehow involves time travel. Uh, <laughs> y- you can just tell that the writers had a lot of fun riding this sort of nonsensical mm-hmm. bullshit for a tree house. Like they really get to do stuff they can never do otherwise, and it's perfect. This is a perfect example of that.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, the first one he encounters as alternate reality is Old Flanders. <laughs> that shit kills me that the what the hell are you smiling at line like as one like we talked about jokes that just stick in your mind forever that is one like what the hell are you smiling It's like where the hooks are forcing them to smile homer is going through this experience and he's still getting offended by something that shit kills me
1: the, yeah, when they when they pull up to the spot, it says "Where the elite meet to have their spirits broken." <laughs>
2: <laughs> the re
0: center, like fucking hilarious. He's the unquestioned master and lord of the world, Ned Flanders.
2: Like, <laughs> what a title! Just let
1: the hooks do their work. <laughs>
2: And then you get some darkness with the lobotomies, like where everybody's just kind of like brainless, and like, oh, come get a lobotomy with this. Like, ooh, that shit's like, you don't really know what's going on as a kid, but watching as an adult, I'm like, oh, man, that's dark.
1: (laughs) Really dark. And I mean, Homer running from the dogs with, you know, these wieners will give me the energy I need. Like, (laughs) it's just... This is, you know, and, and I could say this about a lot of, of Halloween episodes or just the Simpsons in general. Uh, you know, I did a Halloween episode earlier in the month uh, that I recommend everyone check out where I talk about some tree houses sort of like all throughout uh, different eras. And, you know, it's hard not to just want to just re- there. there are so many good jokes in mm-hmm. these segments that I could honestly just recite them all for two hours and it yeah. would be fun it would be more fun than deep diving some of the information it's just these jokes are so realized and just on point yeah th- this one this one is not my favorite of the three but it's this one is such a strong treehouse uh would rank really high for me in the, in the grand scheme
0: yeah i agree with that totally man the uh the bit where homer just sneezes in the dinosaur's face and they all just die like <laughs> Love it. Um, and the thing that like really breaks his balls, like the thing that he, he really cannot tolerate is the fact that donuts don't exist.
2: But In the it, otherwise perfect universe. But then it ends
0: up raining donuts
2: <laughs> after he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he couldn't even imagine creating the donuts himself. (laughs) They have
1: to exist. That's something I never even thought about. Yeah, just go create the donuts, Homer. But also, (laughs) I I love that one of his selling points is, you know, not only is the house really nice, his family is, is... obviously well off and happy and they love him. But he, he the fact that he ends with luxury sedan, like that's one of the selling points to him uh, <laughs> is so good. Uh, and I want to mention too, there there is a deleted scene from this. And this is something I also didn't know until I, digging into this a little bit, but there was supposed to be w- one of the alternate realities uh, was going to be one where the, the family had a teenage son named Roy. And <laughs> people that watch a lot of Simpsons they actually ended up using that joke in, in one form or another uh, in the itchy and scratchy and poochie show. There's a there's a character named Roy. He's not their son. He's just sort of like a, you know, a, a family friend or a lodger, if you will, uh, named Roy. But that's where this idea started. They had to cut that scene. So they're like, that would be funny to make a character named Roy. Uh, so they ended up using that down the line. I, I think that's weird because I would love to see what that scene uh, would have looked like prior in the treehouse.
2: Yeah. I also kind of like there, I think it's when everything goes perfect. It's kind of like this subtle undertone that the worse he actually makes it in the past, the better his life turned out. Because I think that's when he sneezed and mm. killed everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so then his reaction next time is to be like, well, fuck it. And just like just fucking goes ham on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, good shit. It's and so good, man. He finally, uh, he finally says, "Ah, it's close enough." When he returns, and his his family just has like lizard tongues.
1: <laughs> he can <laughs> he can live with it. Um, any, yeah, any? could you could you guys live with that? If you if, if you went into the future, you come back, all your friends have lizard tongues, but everything else is fine. Are you deal- Are you just gonna chill? You cool with that?
2: Hmm. I probably would have
0: stopped. I don't know uh, at the donuts falling from the sky segment. That, <laughs> yeah. that would have been good for me.
2: It depends on the, it seems like a very subtle thing like oh this is how people mm-hmm. eat but you don't know how that changes like the world like do you are there devices that you now have to use your tongue to operate like is it yeah you know, i don't yeah. know you don't know what what the world's going to be like out there
0: you got to get like a a, good a, point, but- a tongue surgery to elongate your shit so you can assist with <laughs> the world you
2: know yeah now or you're, you're- you are now inept at uh, oral sex compared to everybody else in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's something I didn't even consider. I'm sure they have some really it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't live. But with you would that. have donuts. Come on, you would have donuts though.
2: I can't Come accept on. that fate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm anything, going back, anything else you guys want to touch on in this segment before we move on?
2: Oh, uh, no, let just, me check. Yeah, perfect. I don't think so. All righty oh king and kodos this is where we get their appearance uh um, oh, yeah good point that's good point. uh because yeah we mentioned king and kodos just kind of showing up in all the treehouse uh, this is where they show up in this one where their heads change when he's like flipping through all kind of alternate oh, realities yeah. quiet
1: quiet you what, yeah. what i will say uh th- this is a rare instance well, i wouldn't say rare and, and and especially not in this episode uh the talking about these episodes today but this is one where the middle segment to me is the best one uh which i which is you know as we talked about last time not always the case usually not the case um and this one i believe you know i love the shinning but i think this is the funniest one i think it is my favorite of the three
2: okay all right uh, You're right, though. Yeah, we did point that out last year. That usually the second one is normally the weakest. Yeah. Or I don't know. It seems you like they try to sandwich, sandwich it. it. The area,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. what's funny is this year, uh, anyone that didn't watch the most recent one, I want to encourage you. In the second one, they're like, "Look, every damn year, two good stories and a bad one in the middle." I'm getting sick of this. <laughs> That's awesome. So awful. they actually really make a they make a really great joke about that.
0: Wow, nailed it. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> let's let's carry on. We're talking about the the third segment here in episode five, Nightmare Cafeteria. Um, I fucking love this one. This one kills me. This is one of the random like bits from The Simpsons that I'll reference in like daily life, like Uderbrotten. Um, I don't know why that just like sticks out in my head for some reason. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I love how like extremely dark this one is too. Like the, the Skinner and the teachers are like salivating
2: over eating these kids. It's <laughs>
1: literally really eating twisted. children.
0: It's yeah. so
2: twisted. And not even just like to get by. Like at by the end, Krabappel is just like so fucking pudgy. Yeah. just from eating yeah. all of these kids and nobody does anything. I love like the exchange with Marge where she's like, hey, I can't fight all your battles for you. You're <laughs> eight and ten. You need to go tell them, don't eat me.
1: Don't eat <laughs> me. Miss Grubbopple, she literally tells them, she tells them to go eat a stick of butter for homework. Right. I mean, <laughs> come on, it's just- they are addicted to eating these kids. Uh, this one, it, I, I didn't know this either. The plot, it's not really a parody of anything, but the plot bears reference to Soylent Green, uh, which is a movie I've, I've never seen. Uh, but okay. that is sort of like the, in the, the, the influence was from that. And this is also the first credit on the show for David X. Cohen, Uh, who would go on to write some classic episodes, and he would also create a little show called Futurama. Never heard of it. Mm.
0: Never heard of it. Mm.
1: Yeah, he'd go on to do some cool stuff, apparently.
0: Nice. Very cool.
2: Um, (laughs) Isn't there a little ooter in all of us? Dude, I was just about to mention that. Like, okay, so last time I mentioned... That for me, the one who always kind of shined a lot was Burns in these Treehouse of Horrors. Mm -hmm. And we don't really he's a little bit in the shinning. Um, But what makes up for it in this is Skinner in this episode and that segment where he's joking, you know, like maybe we ate him and he's in our stomachs right now, like kills me every time. That's an amazing like Skinner moment. And even him explaining about Jimbo um, to the other teachers, he carries this one for me um, It kind of makes up for that lack of Mr. Burns for sure.
1: Yeah, Skinner is, is great. And he's yeah, I mean that that senior's talking about just the escalation of him just not knowing when to shut up is so <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, you know, you have him telling Bar, you know, I think I'll start uh, with, with what you always mention and, and eat your shorts, you know, yeah. like it, so much good self-reference in this. It's it's awesome. Yeah. I love that he's
2: just cracking himself up, too. It's just him <laughs> escalating himself. <laughs> that shit kills me.
1: In his little outfit, too, just looking fantastic. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that they gotta, like, match the theme with the kids and everything. They are they're really, they're really getting into
1: it. it. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, he's got the free-range children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dude, the sloppy
2: uh, Jimbo. <laughs> they don't even try to hide that shit. I love
1: it. And what, you know Willie gets killed with an axe in every segment, which is something else. You know you, we sort of we sort of hinted at that, but I think that's such a funny gag that Willie is going to save the day in all three, and um, <laughs> he gets killed tw- he gets killed in every single one by a different person. So just just so good. Also, recently saw an animation cell online of the scene where Maggie is standing on his back with an axe in his back. So uh, any animation cell collectors. Try to track that one down before it gets too expensive. Try to get it. Oh,
2: Yeah, that was in the second one. Yeah, he, he yeah. shows up and he's like, Homer, I'm going to help you or whatever. You got to listen to me. And then Maggie axes him in the back. And then who gets him? Skinner gets him in the back in the third one.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, and they brought back James Earl Jones for that one little line for Maggie. I That's forgot right. That. Nice. Yeah, Perfect. truly, yeah. this is a disturbing universe. They got him to just come say that one thing,
2: uh, <laughs> which is great. That's great, yeah, because he hadn't been back since the first one, right? Yeah, the a little, first treehouse of horror. Call
1: back to first treehouse. Love that. That's
2: perfect. Hell yeah! Uh,
0: anything else you guys want to touch on for Nightmare Cafeteria?
1: Mm. Uh, I, I did want to say that they they ended the episode apparently with a with the little musical due to the fact that they had had so much violence and they were like well this will sort of be the way that we perk it up we don't make it we don't want to make it in with the kids dying or you know so that would probably not get through the censors so we'll, we'll make it a dream we'll do this little weird musical with the fog that turns you inside out uh, and and so they, they thought that would sort of get it you know that would that would tie it up nicely and I think it does. I thought that
2: had something to do to they make a joke earlier. I can't remember what segment it's in. I think the second one about the Tonys. And I thought that that was kind of a callback to that joke, um, like where they're doing a Tony type of performance and, um, and speaking about to kind of, make it make up for the violence this actually is one of the most disturbing things to me i think as a kid that i remember (laughs) them turning inside out but then because the blood splatters everywhere i have a thing with blood and the dog dragging this meat bar away and the the trail of like that disturbed me (laughs) that trail of blood and the dog it's it's very very dark and super it, random too. Actually, I think the randomness of just waking up and being like, Oh, there's uh, the only thing to fear is this fog. And it's like, what the fuck is going on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they also reference it in the shinning because if you listen, that's what they're listening to on the little television, that same little song and dance number from the end is playing on the television, I see, uh, which, okay. I, which I didn't notice for years. Uh, but it's like a, just a nice, I don't know if that, I'm sure that was decided after the fact, but it ties it in real, real nice. Nice. Huh. I
0: didn't notice that. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, let's go ahead and let's rate these as we go. Um, out of five, how you guys feel about Triassic Horrors uh, episode five? Warren, why don't you kick us off, man?
1: Um, so I love this one, and I, one of the things that I noticed last year when I was on is that I was like, you know, like I joked, I believe I, I was there just to drive the score up and keep the score from being too low. I gave a lot of fives that day. Uh, so I've learned from that, but I do love this one, and uh, I, I think it is one of the one of the better ones, uh, but I, I, I landed at a four. Uh, there's so much I love about it, but, you know, I'm trying to be a little more uh, – Particular with my scores, and I don't think it's a perfect treehouse, uh, even though I probably use that word throughout my my ramblings. But I'll give it a solid four.
2: Right on, juice. What about you, man? Warren, we're gonna flip around this year. Um, Damn. I so this one I went back and listened to our episode last year cuz I want to keep it kind of consistent and I actually went ahead and watched all the the first four again just to refresh my memory with how they kind of compared with these to try to keep it somewhat consistent with how I was ranking them last year. This one is so solid to me and all three of these segments, I had mentioned last year that I wasn't as big on some of the science fictiony stuff or even really the kind of twilight zone stuff, but this one, all three segments hit hard for me. And, um, I think this one has like some great jokes and really the only thing that was kind of lacking for me. And just this initial disappointment was, Like the the wraparound and just the overall approach to these episodes, um, just like the kind of quick beginning and stuff like that. I was like, oh man, because especially like I said, I went back and watched the other ones too that we covered last year, and so that was a disappointment. But the segments themselves, and even they had a little bit of opening and a little bit of ending, so it kind of made up for it. But these are so solid to me. All three of these have like just in my brain stuck there moments from the Simpsons overall. And I'm going to give this one a five. I, I don't think. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I like it just generally. Like if I had to choose, I think four was still like higher for me just in general. But this, the segments like just, just go so hard on this one that I can't give it any lower than a five, honestly. So yeah, I'm giving this one a five.
1: I mean, when Bob? you factor in all the, all the blood and stuff, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. I like
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bob out of five. How do you rate Treehouse of four? Five.
1: Out of Treehouse house of
2: on. Terror. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Treehouse,
0: Treehouse of, of Terror. terror. <laughs> Everybody knows that's what it's called. Uh, I'm going to come in with a 4.5 on this one. I really love this episode. Um, the Shinning and Nightmare Cafeteria are fucking bangers for me. I, I love both those segments so much. Time and Punishment is a little bit of a dip in the middle, but it's not even that big of a dip. It's just not quite as good as the other two, which are like all timers for me. Um so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna land at a four point five. It's probably gonna be my favorite segment of the night, but we'll get into that wow. momentarily. Um that's wow. gonna put our aggregate at a four point five, which is pretty damn good.
1: Ooh, pretty strong good strong start. Strong yeah. start.
0: All
2: right, let's jump into episode six. Um, Bob is uh, is six on that box on that that old school DVD you got? Right. Can you hit us with the back of the box? I'm
0: glad that you <laughs> asked my boy because yes, it is indeed on there. <laughs> uh,
2: Can you even play that anymore, Bob?
0: Uh, yeah, I watched this for this episode. Yeah,
2: wow. uh, does it look like a bunch of yellow squares on your high def TV? These it's days? like
0: <laughs> it's like one inch pixels that are just slowly moving across the screen. <laughs> Yeah, Treehouse of Wars 6. Here's the back of the box. Uh, in this Halloween-themed anthology, advertising icons go berserk in Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores. Groundskeeper Willie invades the children's dreams and nightmare on Evergreen Terrace, and Homer enters a 3D world of computer animation in Homer Cubed. Gentlemen, let's get into it. Start your engines.
1: So good. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, I want to say up top that because uh, this is another one that there's a lot of cool information about, and uh, this episode was so long according to Bill Oakley because all three of these segments are very complex stories, and it's hard to fit three complete stories into 21 minutes. End yeah. quote. Uh, because of the length, the episode featured a very short opening sequence and did not include. Sorry. Several trademarks established in previous Trials of War episodes, such as a Marge warning or wraparounds. So oh, uh, this is where they start realizing they, had, they, had, they needed that time for these stories because they were making them so complicated. Uh, so we're, we're in full no wraparound land now.
2: Yeah, it really just opens with the old crusty, like a headless crusty. I, I appreciate that they at least gave it some kind of vibe. I love um, that. Yeah, that was a nice touch to kind of make up for that. But it really does, like, I will say to me, especially, you know, we're going to get into the meat of this episode. But to me, I, this time spent on these episodes for the lack of wraparound and lack of like warning and setup and tombstones and stuff. I also think you mentioned last time too that they said like it was just really difficult to do the tombstones. I like come up with ideas for them every single year. But um, I don't think it necessarily benefits it. Like it's, it's kind of one of those situations where I'm like looking at some of the old ones and I'm like, ah, I mean, is it really helping here? Here, not in my opinion, but we'll get into that.
0: Yeah, right. I think I think I dig these stories pretty good. It, the uh, the last one I think is like technically really neat. I remember watching that uh, in real time and thinking, "Wow, that's really cool." I think the story takes sort of a backseat to that one, but like Attack of the Fifty Foot Eyesores, I think they come out swinging. The jokes are like fucking rapid fire on this one, man. The freaking the Pet Boys when they come to life and they got their big ass heads and they're like. <laughs> Yeah. carrying them around like wheelbarrows or whatever That shit just fucking kills me. I, I I was a big fan of attack of the 50 foot eyesores personally. Um, yeah. How, how'd that land for you guys?
1: It's great. I mean, it's not really, it's not really a direct parody of anything either, which is cool. The, the name is a parody. It's, it's like uh, sort of a bite on the film attack of the 50 foot woman, mm. which I also have not seen, but the actual, like what happens in the episode isn't really it's not really based on anything, uh, but it is funny because it's written by John Swartzwelder, one of uh, the best writers uh, for the longest time, had the most amount of scripts, I think he still does, uh, who worked as an advertiser. He was in a, worked at an advertising agency prior to being a, a comedy writer, so uh, I'm sure he sort of just dipped into that and thought it would be funny to do a horror plot based off that. But I do think this one is very, very funny. Um it's it's a very weird story that it's like you know the, the family seems like they know they're in on they seem like they know they're in an episode like some of their dialogue feels very like unreal um but it's 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 great i think it's a, it's a really fun one visually for sure
2: there was a, yeah there's a couple jokes in here that are memorable specifically bar on the devil's shoulder telling yeah. him to <laughs> wreck the school yeah. and then going to the other signs and saying, like yeah do it do i don't like there's no <laughs> Like good, conscience or whatever, I liked that. I liked that the devil's like considering it too, like mm, yeah, uh, good point or whatever. <laughs> That's just pretty good, overall, I guess when I watched this, um, I remember as a kid, but this time, I guess I was kind of associating like in the realm of horror, like these are these are like horror specific episodes. And we've seen a lot of classic stuff. And even we're going to talk about, you know, Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street next, but I guess like with this one, I guess I was trying to associate it with like a Kaiju type of situation, like a giant monster kind of flick. Um, and in that, in that realm, it's kind of nice that they brought something in like that. Cause they haven't really in the past and it's kind of, it's a cool nod, but it does lack some of the overall general, Spooky vibes, which yeah, is what I'm kind of like in these for. Um, and so that's a little bit of a disappointment too, especially when you come out and it's headless crusting. It's like, okay, that's a classic horror tale. And even now, you know, when we talk about Godzilla films and stuff, it's like, yes, it's. It's and giant monster films, they're in the horror realm, they're kind of like their own uh, sub genre over here, but they don't have those like spooky vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, the horror is something completely different, um, and so. This episode, I feel like if it didn't have Evergreen Terrace in the middle, it would be seriously lacking at all in those kinds of vibes that are so prevalent in like episode four, Treehouse Four, where it's just like all soaked in spookiness. Um, Whereas this one like almost has none except for the second segment. So,
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I I wouldn't have even thought about that really, which is it's really true. I I don't know. It's like I think I guess they kind of put all their eggs in one basket with the with the Nightmare on Elm Street parody. Uh, mm. But I mean, you know, it is you know it's dark and it's stormy. So I mean, I guess there's a little bit of that. But I think if you showed it to someone who had never seen it, they wouldn't be like, oh yeah, this is a Halloween episode. Mm. It's just it's yeah. just strange. And I think that becomes a theme moving forward in a lot of these uh, where they do become less about. You know, scary and Halloween and more about just strange and odd and something you would watch around Halloween more so than being horror or scary. You know, you seem to do more sci fi and things uh, ongoing. So that is an interesting point. It's something I haven't even thought about, but I like that.
0: Something I I like that they did in this a lot, speaking of the kaiju aspect of it, is I don't know if this is exactly a Godzilla roar or if they recreated it. It it sounds very similar to a Godzilla roar where all all these creatures are just, like, roaring. I, I thought it was, like, a really cool nod to Godzilla, obviously visually and audibly. Um
2: I think they'd have to because it was either Corey or Chris, who was on one of our Godzilla episodes, talking about how much they charge for Godzilla shit and how it's all piecemeal. Like, you can't just buy Godzilla. You have to buy it piece by piece. I can't imagine. I mean, I guess, you know, they got the money at this point, but, like, I can't imagine they would spend that kind of money for this one short segment to have the Godzilla (laughs) roar like more than once.
1: it's, it's also not as funny as some of the other ones. I mean, I do think it's very funny. I mean, I love the whole bit with the advertising, the advertising agency, you know, you got the poster in the background that says 50 million smokers, 50 million cigarette smokers can't be wrong. And they're all smiling, holding up a cigarette. You know, Uh, I think that's really funny. I like the way the guy talks. I like the whole well, sir, uh, you know, all of that. And you have a guest star, which is not that common for Treehouse. You have Paul Anka. And a, a bit of background on that, which is, is super cool, is that they had made a reference to Paul Anka in the Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy episode. And he wrote into them and was like, hey, I really appreciate you guys you know, using me for a joke. I really love the episode. And they were so, you know, I, I don't know, touched is the right word, but they were so stoked that he liked it that they were like, well, would you ever want to do a a voice on the show? And he was like, yeah, I would love to. And so he becomes a part of this, this segment. And I think that's a really cool little tie in. And he's, he's very funny in it. He does a great job with the song. That's awesome.
0: I think my, my favorite gag in this one is where Marge convinces Homer to return the giant donut. (laughs) <laughs> uh because she, she thinks that it'll like calm the the statues down and and put it into all the chaos and as soon as the lard boy or whatever picks the donut up he just starts smashing houses with it and he's like don't you get tired of being <laughs> wrong all the time <laughs>
1: sometimes I, I, I,
2: I think my favorite or the one that always sticks out to me it's like one of those kind of moments that you almost quote in life is when she's like Homer where did you get that or whatever and he's like get what and she's like the giant donut and he goes, I acquired it legally you can be sure of that, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that. Sure of that. <laughs> super good that's awesome. a good one yeah, they, they also, I will say, it's worth mentioning, I don't know if either one of you have ever played The Simpsons game uh, on Which one? PlayStation 2. The, the one that's literally just called The Simpsons game. It was like one of the last ones. Like 2007, I think it came out. Uh, they used this whole... Segment as an as a level. There's a level where you literally are fighting this giant lard lad and, and like little crusty dolls and all these different, av- you know, some of the characters from this uh, and it's the same kind of setting. You know, there's like, you know, it's stormy. It's gross. And you're running around trying to stop this giant lard lad uh, who is actually way more powerful than this one. He's like shooting lasers and another <laughs> shit. <laughs> nice. But uh, they, they they brought this into the game, which is it's a very fun level. One of the hardest also.
0: Badass. Uh, Anything else you guys want to touch on this segment before we move on?
2: Well, I'm good. I'm good. Good.
0: Let's keep rolling. Uh, Segment two is Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. Um, Obviously, a play on uh, Elm Street here. Uh, Bart has this really terrifying nightmare of groundskeeper Willie. And uh, (laughs) Willie's just, like, terrorizing all all the kids in the school. And we see him, like, catch fire and, like, how he becomes... Uh, this like evil version, this like Freddy Krueger esque ca- character. Um, I don't know how how did this uh this parody sit with you guys? You think they honored the Elm Street story well enough?
1: I think I- this one is the funniest. Yeah, uh, and I, I do I do think they do a pretty good job. Not nearly on the level uh, that they did with the shinning, though. Yeah. Um, I I think it gets far. It's it's not as uh, there's not as much love in the parody. Uh, as there is with the shinning. Uh, but I do think of the three, this is the funniest. I do like it a lot.
2: Yeah, this one I I think it's the best too. And it um this one has a ton of classic Simpson moments in it for in it for me. Again, it's another example of a horror that I couldn't see as a kid and the Simpsons introduced me to with Freddy Krueger but the moment there's a cut like the whole flashback scene of showing the origin of Willie <laughs> is fucking hilarious yeah. B for B, dude the the don't touch Willie the lousy smart weather the um, <laughs> the whole dude the the whole like yay or nay on just like doorknob repair $12 nay and then fire, fire extinguisher, extinguisher this is a funny is, service prepared free service by the <laughs> nay <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, dude, the, I mean this is probably like a, maybe a two minute segment within this short this flashback and every beat of it is hilarious even the point of like I'm going to get your kids or he's like, Oh, what with your skeleton powers? Like it's just so (laughs) hilarious jam packed in this tiny moment. And like I said before, it's got the gray spooky vibes, especially the ending kind of showdown the sky in the background has got this, you know, green black color and it's got gray spooky vibes and walking around like the desolate playground and stuff. I, I really enjoy this one.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was David X. Cohen. You know, we mentioned him earlier. I think he said that in his opinion, this was like one of the scariest uh, trial segments, which I, I don't know if that's how it strikes me, but I guess that could be argued because, you know, uh, people die in it. Willie, the, the whole scene with him as a skeleton, as funny as it is, it is pretty like, you know, it's pretty weird. He's literally dying in front of us. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that, that whole, every beat of that segment, now this is a, a free service provided by the fire department. <laughs> Nay, like just the, the timing <laughs> on that is incredible. Even, even right at the beginning, you know, you have this like Tex Avery style parody, uh, which is really like jarring and sort of weird to see that sort of animation. Mm, the same yeah. sense. And then Bart wakes up. And as you hear Homer, Bart, is that you? Yes. Take out the garbage. Like he just doesn't <laughs> give a shit that his son woke up, you know, screaming. So, uh, so many good jokes in this one. And, but, but I guess it is a little on the scary side for, for a treehouse.
2: It- there's one moment that kind of stuck out to me where I was like, "Oh shit, that's um, pretty fucked up." Is when Martin one dies in the class where he's getting, you know, choked by Willie, which has another great. I love his little pun of, "You've mastered a dead tongue, but can you handle a live one?" Out of that one kind of struck me pretty funny. And then so but he he like is strangled in his sleep and he's like dying in front of the class and then they fucking wheel him out and it's like a funny joke but it's also very kind of fucked up yeah Yeah. and that really kind of stood out to me as being like oh wow that's uh that's pretty dark where his corpse is just all distorted and the kids are you know singing screaming in fear i was like yeah that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty messed up
0: I like how they they play into the the Elm Street bit here where they have uh, groundskeeper Willie turn into a tractor as he's like chasing after the kids. (laughs) And then uh, towards the end, he turns into this like bagpipe spider thing that's like pretty badass looking. I thought that was like a really ingenious way to like take groundskeeper Willie and like make him into like an Elm Street type figure with like the bagpipe situation. That always really stuck out to me. It's... Smart, man. Just good writing. Um, Yeah, what you got?
1: What I was going to say, it's really interesting if you, I don't know uh, if anyone listening uh, uses Frinkiac ever, but if you ever need any Simpsons screen grab, at least from the first 17 seasons, uh, there's a website called Frinkiac where you can just type in a quote and it will literally find the Uh, the screen grab that goes to that quote Uh, or if you type in a a pretty open, you know, say you type in eat my shorts, it'll find pretty much every instance he's ever said that with the uh, appropriate screen grab. Uh, So you, anyone should go there and look for this scene and click through the images. There are some really interesting things that he turns into quickly before turning into that weird bagpipe spider. There's like a tank. Uh, There's like a lot of really cool shit uh, that you only see for a split second. Uh, so Frinkiac or just a good DVD like Bob has that yeah. you can just pause it uh, that you can see some cool stuff in that scene for sure.
2: You might have to blur your eyes a little bit, kind of squint in the end. It.
0: It's high, high def, <laughs> Justin. This DVD uh-huh. works great. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to touch on? Uh, Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace?
1: I, I, um, think it's, I think it's worth mentioning that the set design of all the dreams is really great. You know, like every... When, when you see Martin's dream, that all looks really cool. Uh, th- that's like a that's probably an underrated part of this for me. But other than that, nah.
2: There I was don't. one more. I liked where Bart dreams about Krusty and then Krusty is like, don't dream about me. <laughs> 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 like in the active dream. <laughs> that shit got me good.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good.
0: good. All right. Let's carry on here. The third segment is uh, Homer cubed. Um, so yeah, this is an interesting one in that I I don't know if they've ever done this since, Warren. I'm sure you do, but they like turn Homer into like a 3D animation and then have him show up in the real world at the end of it, which is pretty pretty amazing. I know you have some trivia on that.
1: Yeah, this is so there is probably there is more interesting background info on this segment than possibly any treehouse mm. ever. Uh, Obviously, it's a parody of the Twilight Zone. Sorry, Juice. Uh, Episode (laughs) Little Girl Lost, uh, in which a girl travels through a portal to a fourth dimension. Uh, But it's, there's, you know, them doing something like this, especially, you know, we're talking mid 90s. You know, Toy Story wasn't out yet, uh, things like that. So seeing this sort of thing on TV or in anything, really is, like, really crazy. Uh, And I'm sure, like, at the time, this was, like, the very, you know, top tier of technology. Uh, So, this is just some things I wrote down. So, uh, you know, obviously, it's a real shock to fans because of the 3D animation. Uh, And they actually had to use some, some Bart dolls, like some of the toys, to even know how to make a 3D render of him because they couldn't figure out how to do his head with his spikes. So they had Mm. like, Oh, let's just use one of these dolls to do that, which is really cool. And I do want to say there's a great article on entertainment weekly from 2018, uh, about this segment specifically, not even the whole episode, just this segment. That is a great read. If you Google that, you'll find it really easily. Uh, but there's a cool quote from David S Cohen where he says, I wouldn't rank this as the funniest thing that I've written because that wasn't entirely my goal. Um, But it was the most ambitious thing I've ever worked on, requiring the most people to suffer the most to get it on the air. (laughs) I believe at the time that we ourselves were so dazzled by the graphics that we just wanted to linger on them with a little bit of suspenseful music and just kind of show off. We slowed down a little bit to just say, hey, world, we're doing this thing that no one else can do right now. Um, which is a, I mean, they, I think that's kind of obvious when you're looking at it, you know. Um, and then it's worth mentioning that Pacific Data Images is who created the 3D animation, and they were the same team that made the Pillsbury Doughboy for the commercials. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's interesting. Huh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they hadn't done a whole lot of big stuff outside of that. So to work with The Simpsons, they actually took a big pay cut. Like they, they, they took a very low amount of money, even for the time just to work with the Simpsons on this. And the network gave them a lot of shit about the budget. They gave them a lot of shit about wanting to do the live ending. They wanted a crane shot and Fox was like, no, but they finally got him to let him nah. do the crane shot. And David Merkin was so frustrated. He's like, to this day, that crane shot bothers me because I, I think it could have been better, but they were so honest about, you know, doing it a certain way and getting it done uh, and saving money. So, uh they 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 took a lot of shit to make this segment and I think uh it's it's just a cool little piece of history uh, to dig into that. So everyone should go look at that article. It's great.
2: That is cool, yeah. This one like is memorable to me, but not as a treehouse of horror. Until I came back to it this year, I if you had asked me about I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that episode," but I don't think it would have stuck out to me as a treehouse one, the ending is super memorable. Of course, Homer walking around in the world, real world and being disturbed by it. And everyone yeah. seeing him as he is and being like, what the fuck? Like that always stuck in my mind as a kid. And even just the 3d thing, you know, him disintegrating into a black hole um, and him walking around this world was all super memorable. Um, but again, um even from other there have been some um twilight zone episodes that still have a disturbing vibe you know like um the gremlin one on the bus stuff like right. that uh where it still has a horror element this really doesn't um if anything it's it's it, uh, kind of beautiful, you know, especially for its time. He's walking around this world. There's fish, you know, the water and the fish and the buildings. There's nothing scary about it other than he's somewhere where he's not supposed to be, but nobody even acts that worried about it you know um not real they try to help him, but nobody's real concerned so this almost has like no spooky vibes no kind of like stakes to it or anything like that and i while i think it's cool and memorable um it's not great for a halloween episode to me
1: that's a good point I,
0: I, I think it's interesting knowing that they had like some budget struggles with Fox when they were making this because there's like a, a bit of a meta aspect towards the end here where Homer says, you know, I feel like I'm wasting a fortune just standing here. And like they're just like really commenting on how that is factual. Um, yeah, that just adds a lot of more weight to that line for me. Um, and I th- I think like back in the day, like, I, like I said, I remember watching this when I aired and thinking, holy shit, that's really cool. This is like a neat trick, but like now, like if, if I was a kid watching this today, like you grew up watching Pixar and stuff. So this is not going to be that impressive anymore. And it is definitely, it feels a little bit underwritten as far as like the jokes. They're not quite as rapid fire. There's still some very funny jokes in here. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's not quite as rapid fire. as Some of the other ones. So it feels like. Watching this with fresh eyes or modern eyes, it, this episode ends, like, kind of on a down note, especially coming off A of Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace, where that's just, like, banging on all cylinders. Um, it doesn't end very strong. But it's got a healthy dose of nostalgia for me, personally, having seen it as a kid and knowing more of the history on sure. it now. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you, you, yeah. You got
1: something? Every, everyone's going to everyone's going to remember, you know, like watching it for the first time. I'm sure, you know, like you're saying, anyone that saw it as a kid, like there's no way they weren't talking about it for weeks at school. Uh, you know, especially in a world, like I said, before Toy Story, before like, you know, before this kind of thing was common. Like, you know, I say the Pillsbury Doughboy, but that's one little guy on a screen. You know, like this is a, a, a crazy thing uh, for the time. Um, but you know, and there's also, it's worth mentioning. I, I wasn't even going to pretend I was going to try to read all these, but there is a whole list of background jokes that the company put in when they were making that segment. There's little things in the background, like I think a tea kettle, which was like one of the first things ever 3d rendered is back there. All this cool stuff, math equations that mean funny jokes. Uh, so I, I think it's one of the, one of those situations where, at the time, it was so unique and special that it got away. Uh, it, it was okay that it wasn't like crazy funny or crazy scary or even really, you know, served a purpose. outside of you know, it's like David Cohen said, they were look, they were like, they were amazed by it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think it sort of gets away with a lot uh, because of that. But I still have fond memories of it. But I think my score will will show how I how I feel compared to the other ones. Gotcha. Yeah, I will
2: just to give us a few props real quick. It's not like it's not packed full of jokes, especially coming off Evergreen um, Terrace or whatever, but uh, or nightmare on Evergreen Terrace, but there were a couple ones that got me pretty good. Um the when he draws a square and Chief Wiggum's like, Whoa, slow down, egghead! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's killing. Also, grandpa coming in, like, I need four stout men to work the bellows. <laughs> like, what he's just ready to go with this diverse suit. Um, and then also, um, the professor, uh, God, what's his name? word Frank. Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like, this should be, you know, completely obvious to anyone with uh you know, whatever rocket science degree. I mean, that shit was funnier, or a degree in metaphysical, whatever. I mean, that shit killed me. That joke. Um, so there were some, there were some good ones in here, but yeah, it's not like back to back because you do spend a lot of time where Homer's just like discovering this world, and again, it's about that kind of spectacle for that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah,
0: Selma saying it's like he just disappeared into fat air got me pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh so
2: yeah, we didn't funny. even talk about that opening of them all trying to hide from them, and his yeah. solution is to hide behind the bookcase.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of the exchange where the kids are in the closet, and and uh, he says, "Well, we're calling it now," and Homer goes, "You are." Like he just like <laughs> gives up on the clo- like. That's all really funny. I mean, you know, to to say, I, I, I think we're all saying the same thing in the sense that this one has one scary segment sandwiched between two stranger ones that are a little more, they're more interesting than they are scary or even like wall to wall jokes. And so as good as this treehouse house is uh, when you compare it directly to the one before it and spoiler the one after it, it is weaker. So that's just how it goes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anything else you guys want to touch on before we rate this thing?
1: Let's rate it. All right, Mm.
0: let's do it. Out of five, Juice, why don't you kick us off this time? How you feel about Triassic Horror's episode six?
2: Um, this one is going to rank lower for me, and I'm trying to decide exactly how low it's going to go because it's—I don't know—it's difficult for me personally. Some of this is going to come in. I want the spookiness, so for me, kind of peak treehouse for me, even. When I was saying like you know five was a five star, even comparing that though, I still prefer four. Going back where it's about vampires, zombies, and stuff like that. Um, That's what I want for my treehouse. I want to see The Simpsons at Halloween. I want to see them like carving jack lanterns or stuff like that. So a, a couple things is the like again. No wrap around, no real kind of intro. I do appreciate the little bit of crusty that we get. And this ending is memorable. Um, but to me it just doesn't compare to the vibes of the old school ones. It just doesn't. Um, it's it's also a little unfortunate to me. It's like it really kind of carries this evergreen terror nightmare on Evergreen Terrace is great and almost is like one of those kind of like classic you know treehouse tales but it feels almost wasted in a way because it's paired with these two things to me that just do not scream horror or halloween or treehouse vibes and that's kind of unfortunate um for me i'm almost like man if this was paired with something else you know i almost like want to mix and match like oh if this one went over here it'd be a, a five star <laughs> episode or whatever um but you can't do that so this one's tough um (laughs) i'm trying to think i was treehouse of Horror three was the last one i rated like super low and i was trying to remember the segments that came out of that one i know like king kong was in that one um what else was on that one Um, three is a a
1: clown without pity the doll Uh, yeah
2: yeah king homer and um Dialsy for Zombie, even that had returned to Living Dead parody. Yeah. Man, I just I don't know. I want to drop this one down significantly. I think I'm gonna take it to like a three. And like is and a lot of that really goes to Nightmare on Elm or Night, yeah, Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace for me and like not to say that these segments are bad but in my mind i just don't even necessarily before watching this i i don't think i would associate them as treehouse support segments i definitely the evergreen terrace one was and like i said that one's got like so many classic jokes for me that i'd be like yep yeah, that's a halloween episode that's a halloween episode but these other ones, not really. And when I came upon it, actually, especially the first one, I was like, "Oh, I was kind of let down," <laughs> and like I really felt that, especially coming off of some of like the ones from last year. So yeah, I think I'm gonna give it. What did I say? Three point five.
1: You said three. I think you said a three.
2: Oh three. Uh, I'll bump it up three point five. Bob, I hope. I hope the ink hasn't dried yet. (laughs) I already wrote it down, but I'll change it for you. Uh, Oh, you got to add the 0.5. I'll give it a 3.5. All
1: right. Uh, Warren, how do you feel about this one? So I I, want to say that uh, this is one that is ran by, you know, two of my favorite writers to ever work on the show, two of the best showrunners ever, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. Um, But I do agree that now I think that when this came out, I would have given it a five. Like, for the time, if I was rating this back in 95, I would I would have just, you know, and, and I did. I, I loved this episode as a kid. I didn't shut up about it for a while. Um, but, you know, I think age does bring it down a little bit. The, the third segment relies on being so incredible in the moment that now it just sort of loses steam because you've seen it a bunch and it's also nothing. It's not it's not breaking any new ground mentally, even if, though you know what it did at the time, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think one is a great segment. I think, you know, it has some things that can make it spookier, which would be a plus. I think nightmare on evergreen terrace is great. I think Homer cubed is great, but I think in the grand scheme of Halloween Simpsons episodes, this one does rank lower for me than I would have thought it did before. You know doing this and sort of really breaking it apart and, and making notes uh so i'm gonna give this a three i'm actually gonna go lower than juice which i can't believe and bill if you hear this i am so sorry you know <laughs> i love you uh and i also love this episode but i'm only comparing it to the other ones so i'm gonna go with a three
2: actually i want to go back to but i want to go back to a three just mark
1: that point <laughs>
0: Dude, I already did the aggregate.
2: It's, it's too late, buddy. It's too late. Bob, I'll do it. the math for it. look. I got the math on no. this one. Don't you worry, no. Bob. I got this. No, I got done. it.
0: I uh, I'm surprised at what I'm going to come in with here. I'm going to be higher than both of you guys on this one. Wow. Um, I really love attack of the 50 foot eyesores. I think that's a great segment. It's not particular to Halloween. It's not like a horror parody or spoof or whatever. So it definitely kind of has a knock against it for that. But I love the jokes in this one. And I think just seeing like all these giant advertisements come to life and just smash the shit out of Springfield and like the Godzilla roar. I, I don't I really dig the vibe of what's happening. And um, <laughs> just like these different creatures are roaming around the city. I, I love the choices that they make. Uh, Nightmare in Evergreen Terrace is like an all-timer. It's it's fucking, I got no complaints with that one at all. Uh, the only time this this one really takes a dip is is the last segment, Homer Cubed. And it's still funny, and it's still like nostalgic to me, and it's neat to know that the Simpsons were able to do something like like this, which was very ahead of its time. Um, but overall, they're just kind of flexing uh, rather than like making a very uh, funny um, a segment. So, but it's still cool, and it's got it holds a lot of value still uh, in and of itself. So I'm gonna give this a four out of five.
2: Um, wow! Yeah. There you go. Just you, Bob, I got that math for you. Right. Overall average. Go ahead and get that wide out. <laughs> Overall, <laughs> it's going to 3.3 repeating. So write that down, right. Bob. Three. I know you write in ink. Can't I, be erased. We need to get you one
0: of those erasable like, pens. It, it's just it scribbles all over. I try to keep it neat, you know, and I can't do it. I just can't do it.
1: I uh, mean, I would, I would argue that even giving it a 3... Uh, does not doesn't mean that I don't love it, True, but I think, I think five is so good. I mean, I personally like five and again, spoiler. I like seven more also, uh, by a lot to get into that. All right. Yeah. Let's,
0: let's jump into seven. Uh, here goes the back of the box. Uh, the Simpsons showcase features a terrifying look at Bart's evil twin in the thing. And I, Uh, Lisa creates a miniature world in the Genesis tub and aliens steal the identities of Bill Clinton and Bob Dole and Mr. Kang goes to Washington. (laughs) All right. Oh, yeah. Um, That's interesting. So, like, I... I was I was doing some research for these on IMDb and that last segment uh, on the back of the box here it says Mr. Kang goes to Washington but it said Citizen Kang on IMDb so that's interesting I don't know if you have any
1: I've always that, that heard is the it correct name. Citizen Kang yeah. yeah that is a correct name that's interesting they got that wrong So yeah, this Citizen is Kang. misprinted on the
0: box
2: wow Bob?
1: wow
2: what a salty wow. item you have. It probably means yeah, it's worth a nah, billion worth more dollars.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's worth uh, a lot of money now. There you go. Very interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, so this aired uh, October 27th, 1996. Let's go ahead and jump into this. We're starting with The Thing and I. Um, Warren, why don't you kick us off? I know I've... I So, spoilers, I did listen to your Halloween episode, and I know that you love this, this episode. So uh, yes. why don't you kick us <laughs> off, man?
1: I, w- I was going to say, so uh, anyone that, that wants to check it out, go listen to the Halloween special that I did uh, at the beginning of this month. I had bought from short box on with me. We talked about uh, the, what I consider the best tree house uh, and underrated tree house, and then also a good modern tree house. So we go over a lot of Halloween stuff, a lot of tree house stuff. And this one was my favorite. I ranked this one as my favorite tree house. Now, granted that has changed several times in my life, but in this current state, when I watch through Treehouse, this is the one that always sticks with me, and I just think it's one of the all-time best and currently my favorite. Uh, I just think there's a lot to love about it. It's a very now you talk about spooky vibes. I would argue this one has a lot of spooky vibes. I think this one is very strange, a little unnerving, uh, and just and just creepy, uh, especially the Thing and I. So I I think I I think this one has a lot of a lot of stuff going for it, even though once again, we do not have the wraparounds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The thing and I like is extremely creepy. It's probably the creepiest one of the three. Um, Bart having this like Siamese twin living in the attic and his parents have been like feeding him fish heads and he's like living in squalor. It's like really really twisted. And then of course the yeah. the surprise ending here is we find out that Bart was actually the evil twin the whole time and the good one's been locked up <laughs> in the attic which makes sense knowing Bart's character um throughout the the series, you know. Uh juice how do you feel about this?
2: Yeah, this one did. I mean, this one is very disturbing. And this one I remember having some kind of effect on me because when the evil twin is like looking at them through the grates, or like I think Bar ends up looking through the grate at the end. But I mean, that kind of affected me. I remember, you know, being in bed at night and having air vents in my room and <laughs> thinking, like, shit, can something like see me from up there? Yeah, I think it came from this episode and also just the way the evil twin Bart looks. And, you know, this is a lovable character that you spend a lot of time with, play video games, have dolls and stuff. And it's just, he looks so disturbing. And also, from a psychological standpoint, I remember the idea that the parents would just, because he was like deformed or whatever would lock him away and beat him fish heads. Like I remember that having an effect on me. Like that was disturbing to me. They like, does that happen or like, could that happen or like just this idea of this terrible kind of abuse, which as an adult is you're like, Oh my God, you know, like that's really right. terrible and, and real context. But I do remember that affecting me or as a kid. So I would agree this one is is very horror driven, very disturbing, and very like effective from a psychological like horror standpoint. Absolutely,
1: and and also you know I said this in my episode, but uh, it bears repeating that Nancy does an incredible job of doing another voice that kind of sounds like Bart, but not really. And their interactions are very like strange, like you know when she says. Uh, Oh, you're here. Aren't you? Yes, Bart. I never left you. Like it's a dark premise. And I, for a long time, didn't think that it was based on anything. I used to always say like, Oh, I like this one because it's not a parody. But Bill, Bill Oakley, the showrunner of this season and episode corrected me and said, No, it it is. It's not a parody, but it's inspired by basket case, um, which I have never seen. But that makes, you know, (laughs) after after him explaining basket case to me, I can see that. But for years, I didn't think this was based on anything. So that's that's a little weird part of piece of yeah. trivia there.
0: Basket case is man. If you're not if you don't have a strong stomach, I don't really think you're gonna enjoy that movie. It's a Frank Henenlotter <laughs> joint from like the early '80s, and it was a you know shot on a very very low budget in New York City, which you know New York City in the '80s was not a very fun place to be. And it's yeah, it's about this this guy who has a a, a Siamese twin who's like a really really deformed. Um, sort of like half developed individual like it doesn't have legs it's just kind of a blob with a face and some some hands like and he carries around in, in a basket and they go hunt down the doctors that separated them at birth to exact their revenge and it's a gory mess man um, wow it, it's kind of Damn. amazing but only if you're into that sort of thing
2: <laughs> I kinda well, wanna watch it now. I kinda wanna watch yeah, it. Yeah, I'm curious because I, I was under the impression too, I didn't I wasn't familiar with any, you know, source material for this one. And so now this kind of being a classic treehouse in my mind, I, I am morbidly curious. Now I'm like, oh huh. Yeah.
1: Where is the straight chilling episode about basket case? I
0: mean, cool. Yeah, we have
2: not covered that. We
0: haven't covered it yet, but dude, I would be happy to talk about that movie. That would be great. Somebody pick it. It's got to be a you pick. We'll talk about basketball. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty
2: much the only way now.
0: Yeah. Um, badass. Yeah, there's there's some solid-ass jokes in this one as well. Like, there's a the, the Homer I Hardly Knew Me, where they find his autobiography in the, the attic. <laughs> that show's hilarious. Cool. Um The routine soul smear confirmed the presence of pure evil. Like... A soul smear. (laughs) I don't know. It is good. The pigeon rat gag was hilarious. Dude, the
2: pigeon rat.
0: Yeah. It's also like really fucking twisted, though. Like that plays into the horror. Like sewing a rat to a pigeon and just seeing them try to live is dark. It's very dark.
1: I I mean, you know, I said this in my episode, but again, like I'll just repeat myself. I think that when you break it down and think about this, you know, kind of like what Juice was saying, you have this sibling that lives in the attic. That is yearning to be reattached to his twin to the point that he has dealt with this life and practiced on pigeons and rats just, you know, in preparation to reconnect with his long lost brother Uh, is very, very twisted, very dark. And anyone that, you know, I think that is why this one ranks so high for me, because it is. One of, and I would say for all three of these, especially the next one, uh, I think they are very psychological. You could really go down a rabbit hole of thinking about if this actually happened and how fucked up it would be. And I don't think that happens in a lot of the treehouse in the way that it happens in this one. I think this one could easily, you know, really stick with someone. And I think that makes it special.
0: Yeah, I agree. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on?
2: I guess like the twist at the end too. I mean, kind of mentioned it of just like Bart having to switch places. Like they're not even going to write, you know, (laughs) right? If I was like, no, now you go in the attic after (laughs) you. And I think that disturbed me a lot too. It's like he's lived this regular life and now he is banished to the attic or whatever. That's fucking. Yeah, just let them
1: let them both live together. (laughs) I mean, I do I do love Hugo eating his napkin. Uh, I love (laughs) Doctor Hibbert. I love Doctor Hibbert punching him through the the picture frame. Like I mean, that's all really great. Doctor Hibbert Doctor Hibbert's monologue, telling the story of how they got separated. That's all really great. You know, the score is awesome. Uh, this one just fucking rules. That, that's all I can say.
2: Yeah, I like that he just like appears in the house too. There's like the thunder and like Doctor Hibbert's <laughs> just in the house. <laughs> it's pretty good. So good.
0: Good shit. All right, moving on. The second segment is the Genesis Tub. Uh, it, so this feels like it's a parody of something, and I, I can't remember if you mentioned it or not, Warren. I, is it?
1: It is. This is another Twilight Zone juice. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, know ha- I know you hate I know you those. And um,
2: right in the second position again. <laughs> yeah. They always just stick them right in the no, middle listen. the bad ones go. <laughs> listen,
1: so this is a story from Twilight Zone called The Little People, um, which I really need to watch. I, I looked up sort of the breakdown of, of what happens in it, and it does sound really fucking weird and cool. Uh, but this is, you know, this might be an unpopular opinion. This is one of my favorite Treehouse segments, period. Hmm. Uh, not even in just this episode but just in general Uh, anyone that listens to my show knows that I'm a big Lisa fan she's my favorite character which is also odd to some people Uh, and I think she really shines here I think she has so much good delivery so many great jokes and again this episode or this segment has one of my favorite jokes in the entire series which is the square pancakes Uh, you know the (laughs) waffle irons in the shop Oh, the wildfire's been in the shop forever. That is all so, that is one of my favorite jokes in history, not even just in The Simpsons. And so this one, (laughs) this one is really high for me. So good.
0: Yeah. This one, I think uh, it does take a step back for me. I like the uh, sort of the headiness of it. Um, Like Lisa accidentally creating life and essentially becoming a god and the civilization advances so rapidly they far surpass our civilization and they create this like ray gun and shrink her down so that they can live with their god and it's like it's so heady this concept you're like holy shit like the simpsons are doing this in like six to eight minutes or whatever and like to consider how much they're packing in again is incredible um it's not like super super horror specific it doesn't give me halloween vibes really in any way but i i love the uh, the ideas that they're presenting to you here and like how they immediately start questioning like their own existence and like if she's if she's a god why does she let x y and z happen to her people and like you know they just like launch right into some massive questions that people ask every day and there really isn't a great answer for it uh i love all of that man it's good stuff so good
2: Yeah, I actually, I just, I was looking, I don't have too many notes on it. And this one just doesn't leave much an impression. Like, once it started, I remember like, oh, yeah, I remember what this is about. Mm Um I mean, it even ends on a note of like, oh, no, I didn't win the like science fair thing. I yeah. don't know. Like it just not. I mean, yeah, they do have that little bit of moment. But in between, like, I don't know what's really happening. Like Bart is poking these people. Like, I don't know. I just there doesn't feel like any kind of like screenshots you know where i can pick so many iconic moments you know like the willy thing where i said like this is joke 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 and i can see him turning into a skeleton mm-hmm. him on fire try to open the doorknob this i'm like yeah okay there's a tooth and like i just can't lock into anything and it doesn't have the spooky vibes um i can't think of a whole lot of just like amazing jokes and they're to me if there are they're definitely not like rapid fire back to back like i like you know from the simpsons uh where they're rolling into each other it kind of like ends on a bit of a flat note and i don't know this thing it just it doesn't really do any kind of special thing for me for halloween or just just on a simpsons scale like just having The
1: simpsons Maybe I'm just weird, but to <laughs> me, I, the, w- what really disturbs me, like outside of just like, you know, scary horror, uh, I, I, like this, this uncertainty, like, you know, this question of like, you know, if you really think about what if we are just in a dish inside of a dish inside of a dish, this like weird existential question of like, you know, what if this is what life is? Like, what if we're all just something, ex- someone's science experiment, you know, yeah. uh, and I agree. It's not very funny. Again, may I direct you to the square pancakes joke, which I which I would argue <laughs> is a perfect fucking joke. You know, uh, oh, these aren't waffles. These are just square pancakes. Ah, oh, honey, the waffle irons in the shop. Imagine a little garage where they work on waffle irons. <laughs> that is funnier than any joke in the whole episode. It, it is fucking perfect. But also... You know, I think it is more strange. It is, you know, it is that weird sci-fi, uncertain sort of, you know, existential, weird feeling episode or segment. Uh, And to me, that really scratches an itch. I get, I like things that make me, you know, kind of like what Bob said, it's very heady. I like things that make me ponder weird, uncomfortable uh, possibilities in that way, weird multiverse almost uh, type scenarios. So that really does it for me. I guess that's not spooky, but I would watch that. Uh if, if you know during Halloween time if there was a movie that presented that, uh I would I would probably watch it.
0: Yeah. Ooh. I love the uh the debigulator. as it's like what they call the ray gun and then she's like, "Well, can you can you make me big again?" And they're like, "No, that would require some sort of rebigulator and that concept is just hilarious." Like <laughs> That that joke really really got me. Um yeah, it's it's not like scattershot funny like some of the other ones, but I overall dig it. I th- I think it's 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 a solid in what it's It's like if you sit and ponder it, it truly is horrific, but it's not like blood and guts horrific in that way. Right. Um, but yeah, I dig it. Anything else you guys want to mention on the Genesis Tub before we move on?
1: Um, I will just say one more joke that I think is is perfect is when she says you know, give me some shoes And one random guy goes You probably want socks too Oh huh? Yeah, I'll get some socks <laughs> Like, I think that's a really great yeah. joke Just like that afterthought of a joke yeah. Really good uh, Anyone that wants to tell me that Genesis Tub is not great um, I will just not listen So Juice, I'm yeah. sorry, I, I forgot Uh-oh. everything you said <laughs> It wasn't
2: much Because I don't have many notes on this one It's not for people <laughs>
0: All right, let's move on to the last segment here of episode seven Citizen Kang. I fucking love Kang and Kodos. Like I said last time we were doing this, they're my favorite characters. Anytime they're on the screen, I don't know what it is about them. I just, I fucking love when they're on screen. And I love that they, so good. They, they like take over actual like presidential candidates' bodies in this episode. I like, which seems like kind of a strange choice, but I fucking love what they do with it. Um, I don't know how how does this how does this one land for you guys?
2: Oh shit. I, Real quick, since we're talking about Kang and Kodos, mm-hmm. I mentioned in episode five where they popped up with their heads. Did they show up in episode six? We didn't mention them. Mm,
1: now that I recall they 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 are in it for a second. Uh what are they doing? Oh my god. See, this is gonna make me look like a bad fan. They they make some joke. Oh no, they turn in um oh wait, fuck. They're definitely Uh-oh. in there. I'll do some research. I'll look. No, I, will look no, this, I will look this up live they, on the podcast. Are they the I, I they like, make a joke with them. They're in the. Since eyesore we landed segment, back
2: on I Kang think. and Kodos, I forgot about
0: the fifty-foot eyesore. I think. It, I think they're in there.
1: Maybe. I believe you are correct. If you guys want to, if you guys want to talk okay. about Citizen and Kang, I will find this right now.
0: All right. Um, yeah, they they take over like uh, Bob Dole and Bill Clinton's bodies, and they they go on. They have like these debates, and um, they they like bioduplicate these people's bodies somehow or another, um, and they uh, I don't know, man. They they just like completely take the, the piss out of like the election and like it was happening in real time and I, I know you were you probably have more information on this for it as well but like as this aired it was like a couple days before election day uh which is like right kind of a ballsy thing to do i feel like i mean back in the day anyway i feel like south park does crazy crazy shit all the time and but like for you know 1996 or whatever i feel like this is sort of a, another thing that's kind of ahead of its time where the simpsons are commenting in real time on like an actual presidential election i don't know it seems, seems yeah. like a bold choice
1: yeah it was it was just a few days after the airing of the episode and and another you know david cohen is all over these uh tree houses today he also wrote this segment and uh i think when you when you compare it to futurama you can sort of see a thread in the comedy like a lot of the stuff that he does in this segment specifically feels very futurama and he acknowledged that it broke a lot of Simpsons rules, whereas it like dated it very specifically, which is something that, you know, they tried not to do. It was something they didn't really like to do. Uh, but ultimately this segment was so funny. They just felt like they had to just leave it as is. So I do think that that is a very interesting point about this one.
0: Yeah. I I love where uh, basically Homer outs them. He's like, these are, these are aliens. They're not uh, actual uh, presidential candidates. And they're like, well, right. you know, you got to vote for one of us anyways. It's a two-party system. And somebody's like, well, you know, <laughs> I believe I'll vote for a third party. And they just go, go ahead, throw your vote away. Throw your vote away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fucking people say that
2: all the time
1: today still.
2: Today, yeah, it's super relevant 20 years so, later. So
1: just just to interrupt, uh, you see King and Kodos in... I, I was trying to make sure I was in the right episode. Uh, when he throws the donut, it it goes by them, and they're holding a sign that says Earth Capital.
2: That's right. Gotcha. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right there hitchhiking. Thank you. Yep. Had, had to, had you. to confirm. Ooh. There we go. Ooh. All right. Uh, we, we just didn't it. mention it. I had to get that in there. Yep. We got it. I'm glad you did.
0: There's there's another like really heavy joke they make, uh, where they're doing they're they're in the middle of their debate and uh, I think Bob Dole goes, you know, abortions for all and people boo and he goes, No abortions, and then people boo, and then he goes, abortions for some and miniature American flags for others, and everybody cheers. Everybody cheers. <laughs> it's like that's a fucking heavy joke, man. Like that that kind of yeah. thing upsets a lot of people and the fact they went there for in nineteen ninety six again I think is like a very bold choice for them to make. Um, I don't even know, like, could like South Park talk about abortion today? I don't know if comedy central would be like, yeah, that's totally chill. Go ahead and do it. I couldn't say, I couldn't say one way or the other. Um, but yeah, I think they're taking like a lot of swings and a lot of chances in this episode. I think it works out for me anyway, even though it's not like super, super Halloween heavy again, it's not leaning into the horror necessarily, but I think I just really like that. They're, they're taking some major swings on this one.
1: Well, I like what you said, Bob, when you said it's not, it's, it's horrific, but it's not horror in reference yeah. to the Genesis tub. I think that's sort of true here too. It's when they start realizing that they can play with these premises that are more disturbing than scary, uh, which I would argue, you know, you, you associate horror and, sp- and stuff like that with being spooky. Uh, but in reality, like horror is its own thing. So I would argue like, you know, to be spooky, you just have to be uncomfortable. And I think, Genesis Tub and Citizen Kang are both very unnerving and very uncomfortable scenarios. Um, and you know, Citizen Kang though is it really is more funny than disturbing. Uh, so I, I guess an argument could also be made there. But I think it's I think it's a great way, especially being about Kang and Kodos. Uh, by this point, they're so established as being associated with Halloween. It really does. I mean, it feels extra treehousey to me because they're such a focus of it.
2: See, I guess do they ever show up outside of Treehouse?
1: You see them. I I feel like there's like one joke or like one, like one or two instances where you might. uh, I even think like they did a Halloween episode a few years ago that was not a Treehouse. They did. They did also did a Treehouse but they did this one before and they even make a joke in it where they're like, Oh no, that's next week. You know, the three stories, people love it. We still do it. And I want to say, even in that, like at the end you see them for a second because it's like, they're like, Oh, are we early? Like, Oh, sorry. It's next week. So I think they use them for jokes on occasion uh, that okay. are outside of Halloween because, because they do exist technically. Um, but I don't think I, I can't think of a single like episode that, that is about them outside of trials though.
2: Because this one, again, going back, so we have now two years in a row, and this one is heavy on it with two segments where if it weren't like, yeah, it's about King and Kodos, but to me, this almost could be a Simpsons episode. You know, you have episodes about things like, you know, the monorail or something where people are. Yeah. You know, debating and, and arguing about things like real life kind of situations in a way where they're parroting it. And that's what it feels like to me. And so now I have two years worth of Treehouse where I think the problem for me, it's not necessarily even about like what is horror, but these are Halloween specific episodes and so i like science fiction horror you know like we watch all the time but when halloween rolls around like from mid-september to you know halloween when halloween ends i'm not watching alien you know i'm not watching those aren't that you know i save those for another time because halloween to me is for these kind of autumn vibes, these kind of spooky vibes, the monsters and stuff like that. So uh, while I do appreciate the side of stuff and I appreciate these segments, it's I almost sit back and wish like, man, I wish there was a time where they just had a twilight zone parody and then they had a halloween episode you know because i want the vampires i want the zombies i want the spooky air i want the the crazy tombstones and and the autumn leaves and the crazy trees like i want that vibe and so it's not even necessarily about like what is horror and what is like existentially terrifying it's like i want a halloween episode almost and now yes, two sir. years in a row it's so sci-fi heavy and this one's political and it's political from a certain time where it, yeah it's still relevant today but like bill clinton and bob dole it's like man i want a timeless classic I and mean, i want a dracula you know i want something like that and so I, I was like disappointed with these like for this year especially because last year we cover four so I was thinking to myself you know like oh if this year if, if the first year we had done one two three and this year we had done four five six and it would have been a banger because four and five are like pinnacle for me but with five being you know the only kind of high one on these other ones being so sci-fi heavy where two of the three segments are Are not like spoo, are not Halloween centric. I'm like, I was really disappointed this year, honestly
1: interesting taking the air I mean, out you, of do the see, room you do here. see two presidents yeah. die at least two yeah. presidents <laughs> die I mean you know yeah well and that's why I
2: feel bad because it's got classic again Simpsons you know don't blame me I voted for Kodos and like these things about I mean it's got great jokes too uh, I love that we have reached the limits of rectal probing or whatever that <laughs> should cracked me up like it's got amazing jokes Um, but you know it's not Ned Flanders is the devil it's not you know Mr. Burns is Dracula you know it's not those things and so while they're good they're not Halloween to me
0: fair yeah, I guess it all just depends on what, you, what you're you looking for out of these it doesn't necessarily bother me actually I, f- I fucking love Citizen King. that's probably my favorite segment of, <laughs> of uh, episode 7 here um, I don't know why it just it fucking kills me um, it's great. yeah it just depends on what you're looking for uh, do you guys have anything else to add before we rate this
1: episode no, I mean, I, I think, you know, this one, uh, I, I think if you don't, you know, if, if you are soured by the, by the, I, I wouldn't say it's political commentary, but if somehow you are soured by like, you know, just the political aspect of it, I can see people not, some people not liking this one and, in, in, you know, conjunction with it also not being very scary, but uh, I, I'm with you, Bob. I think this one's like really great. It ranks very high for me uh, because I love Kang and Koto so much and they are like, you know not scary but they are cre- they are Halloween characters to me mm-hmm. just by association so it, it does work for me for sure
0: right on all right let's go ahead and rate this thing out of five uh, Warren I think we know where you're standing here but what out of five how Man. do you feel
1: yeah you know so I, I think you know I, I could see an argument like I said that this one could be a little scarier uh, even though the the second two the two, second and third segments are, are more disturbing than scary. Uh, but I, you know, you get a lot of scary in the Hugo story. Um, and, and I think that really helps it in that way. You also, this one starts with Homer, you know, lighting a pumpkin and catching his arm on fire, which is really great. That sort of sets the tone. Uh, and this one, you know, I, I've said, a, I've said a lot about how much I love all three of these. I'm giving this one a five, baby five all the way. All right. Uh, juice, how you feel?
2: Yeah, I if you couldn't tell, I was kind of like pairing six and seven together. To me, they have very similar kind of vibes where there's one, like to me, classic horror driven one that is very spooky. Where in the last one, it was I'm here on Evergreen Terrace. This one, it is the, um, the twin one. What's it called? The thing and I. And. Um, I think those segments are great, and I wish that they were together. Like I said before, if I was like mixing and matching, I wish that they could be put together, and then like Citizen Kane comes at the end, or or thrown in the middle, or something like they do, um, because to me, actually, it's it's almost. Going back and listening to last year's episode and and then also going back and watching the episodes, I didn't realize last year that this val or like this peak was gonna happen. And now I feel like I'm on the downslope and I don't and I didn't go any further, like past seven. So I I'm like, I'm in this little bit of existential like situation where i'm like the best is behind like i thought there was more best and there's not like i peaked last year where i was like oh i was like relishing in like oh i remember all these old things they're so great they're so classic and this one has pops of it like oh yeah oh yeah but i feel like i'm on the downslope now and i'm like man because i've had two years now back to back where it's all sci-fi and it's not spooky and they drop the tombstones and they drop the the wraparound i'm like so bummed by it like all of it all combined together (laughs)
1: no let me let me put your let me let me put this on your heart and let me bring let me put your mind at ease all right uh so this will be a slight small a slight spoiler for next year uh but the next two treehouses they bring the Spooky Vibes back, baby. Okay. All right. uh, Ooh, I, all right. I think you are not Ooh. alone in that <laughs> because I think, you know, this was the last uh, Treehouse that uh, Josh and Bill show ran. And again, two of my favorites are ever work on the show, so that is sad. But at the same time, I think the team going into the next season was like, let's make, this, let's make the Halloween episode bring more back. Halloween. Let's make it a little yeah. scarier. And uh, so I think you will be pleasantly surprised okay. when you hit eight and nine and even ten. So don't, don't worry. I think next year you're going to, you're going to feel real good. I think you're, wow. you're going to get everything you want. You got <laughs> witches. Hope. You got it all. You're going to feel good. Zombies? I
2: hope so. Maybe maybe we should have done the four this year again, but time <laughs> restraints. Um, but I, I really, to me, this one and the last one really kind of go hand in hand where um, they're very, very similar in my eyes. So I'm going to land this one in a three as well. I'm just Ooh. not sold on this one. I'm sorry, my guy. This one is just these are not the vibes I'm looking for here. Outside of the outside of the one like it comes out great. You know, I love that, you know, that first segment, but uh, especially and it's it's weird to think about, like like I said, had we not done six and seven together, like if we had done one, two, three four, five, six, you know, seven, eight, nine. I could have been thinking about them differently, but when I have these two back to back and I'm like, no, it's Halloween. I want more Then I'm just kind of left disappointed by both of these episodes. So that's a bummer. All right. Let me slide in here. All right, Bob. Yeah. All right. So get in there. Let uh, me know what you think out of five.
0: I I think I'm going to land with a 3.5 on this one. I I think the thing and I is a really solid start. It's not one of my favorite segments, but I enjoy it quite a bit, especially knowing that it's like based off Basket Case or inspired by Basket Case which is a movie that I'm definitely a fan of. And just knowing that like gets me a little hype. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) The Genesis tub takes a dip, especially in like the, the horror realm, but I like the ideas that it's playing with for sure. And then it, it takes a huge jump up with a citizen King. I fucking love citizen King. I think that shit is hilarious. I love King and Kodos. Anytime they're on the screen, I just like, I fucking love those characters so much. Um, but I'm gonna overall give this episode a 3.5, just a slight step down uh, from six, uh,
1: but not. Terrible. Bob, it sounded like a, it sounded like a four to me, honestly, man. I think that should <laughs> yeah. be <a>
0: four. Let's <laughs> go ahead and round it up for me. Uh, that's uh, so with that, that's gonna put our aggregate at a 3.8, which is basically a four, honestly. Uh, yeah, pretty solid, pretty solid. Um, all right, yeah. Thank you, thank you, guys. That was fun. That was a lot of fun.
2: So that yeah. Was- so last year we did a like an overall ranking mm-hmm. of the ones we watched. Um, do y'all want to do that? Do y'all want to say like? Of you mean the like three all we watched tonight? Seven or just. Just well, so three. I put all seven together, but okay. we can also do these three since we just cover these three. So whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> I would
0: have to do some digging to
2: get the uh, yeah. the other four. How about let's just start? How about let's just start yeah. with tonight? Okay. Or how are y'all feeling about them?
1: I, I say I say when we hit Treehouse ten, yeah, we got to do, do like a top a, we 10. do like an all over ten. <laughs> I yeah. like that. Yeah, that's a good crap. idea. Yeah. yeah. All right, Warren. Do you want to run your
0: your episodes down tonight in order of how you ranked them?
1: Yeah, so obviously we got Treehouse 7 coming in strong uh, with, with the first place. Then we got Treehouse 5, and then we got 6. Um, and again, you know, I, I really love – I like all three of these. So, you know, I understand what Juice is saying. I think it makes a lot of sense. It, it does sort of get away from the scary, and uh, I do think that that is a little concerning. I think when you look at them, when you isolate them and, and talk about them back-to-back, you start to see like, you know, this is Halloween time and these don't really scratch that itch. Uh, but I do. I do also, you know, respect the fact that they were like, you know, digging into these different kinds of, of scary mm-hmm. uh, and trying some things. But I think I can't wait to see Juice perk up next year when he sees <laughs> witches and zombies. <laughs> it comes back for my boy.
0: Well, pep in his step next year. Juice, uh, you want to run yours down?
1: Yeah.
2: For this week, I'm going to go five. Actually, yeah. I'm going to go five, six, seven because what it came down, five is a banger. Um, I gave it a five star. Six to me. I think I had a way out. I think I just prefer Evergreen Terrace over uh, or Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace over the twin one. It's close. They're both good. But then also, I think I prefer, you know, the the Giants um, advertisements over like, you know, the tooth. So I think uh, six is going to take it for me there. So I think I'm going to go five, six, seven and just, I know we're going to do it once we hit 10, <laughs> but I had it ready to go. So I had awesome, overall, my list was four. Whew, so good. Uh, four, five, one two, six, seven, three. So even three, so three is still a <laughs> poor old three is mm. back there. Um, but yeah, so that was my overall uh, ranking this year. Bob? Yeah. How are you going to rank these?
0: I, my ranking is the same as yours. It's five, six, and seven. Each one is just a little bit worse than the last, but they're not like overwhelmingly like different in ranking. Um, five yeah, Five is fucking solid though. It is really good.